Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning, Simple Church. My name is Tim. I'm the associate pastor here, and and we're broadcasting our Sunday, Sunday morning service to you uh, from Simple Church Building, but making sure that you guys are all at home where you can be safe. We wanna, we've installed some safeguards right now, and, and for the time being, our Sunday morning services are going to be broadcast here on, online for you. Uh, hopefully that you guys will, will, will check in and, and get something out of the, out of the sermon and, and our worship. Uh, we'd, we'd still want you to participate in this, in, in this act of worship. And, and listen to the preaching. But, but know that, that we've got other precautions coming up. We're paying attention to what the CDC, what the state, what the, what the government is saying for, for us to do, and we're going to follow all those protocols. We're installing protocols ourselves as, as a church, uh, as a congregation, and we, and we just want to make sure that you know uh, you're safe when it comes to how you're involved at Simple Church. So keep a, uh, an eye on the app for any updates. Keep an eye on your base camp and your email. We'll be sending out updates as they come along. But this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to jump right in and continue on in this series that Pastor Aaron had started two weeks ago called, Who is This Man? Now, the first two weeks, Aaron was, was preaching on Jesus and focusing on, on different uh, characteristics. In the first week, it was Jesus as best friend, and last week was Jesus as miracle worker. Um, and, and we'll be doing these, these Jesus is sermons all the way through to Easter, where we'll be looking at Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. And and, and that is a great opportunity for you to invite people to service. Now, hopefully we'll be having service here, but, but even so, you can be inviting people to service. Invite people to watch the podcast, to, to watch the, the streaming videos. Uh, have them have a taste of, of who it is and what we're doing here. Uh, but, but for Easter in particular, please, invite, invite, invite. Um, but now we're going to go right into the sermon. We're going to continue on in the series to... to and we're going to start with our primary verse. The verse of the series is from 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 2. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, this is Paul speaking, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. So this morning, the focus is going to be uh, taking a look at Jesus and who he is from the perspective of Jesus as teacher. So what makes a relevant teacher? You know, we've all had teachers in our past that have had a massive impact on us. One of mine was Chef Paul Sorgel, who was uh, my culinary teacher back in college. And, and he, was, he was a short, brilliant man, but, but he knew his stuff. And, and he took us under, under his wing, and, and he taught us some, some really cool things and, and brought us into competitions. He, he elevated our game. He gave us opportunities to cook in front of... Uh, in front of large groups of people, and, and taught us, trained us up well. And I've got friends that were, were students under him that, that have really raised up to be significant players in the culinary community around the world. Chef Sorgel was, was a significant teacher. He resonated with me. He, he was authentic. He was real. He was funny. He knew what he was doing. He, he, he didn't just tell you what to do, but he knew how to do it, and he would show you how to do it. You, you believed in what he had to say and what he did, and he, and he lived that way through, and he still does. 30 years later, he's still having an impact in the culinary world. He's having an impact on me through his, pod, his podcasts and blogs where, where I'm reading his, his opinions and takes on, on the culinary community, on the hospitality industry as it is. Now, you've probably got teachers like that too, people that spoke to you, 
people that, that you trusted, that, 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 that you heard what they said, you saw what they did, you saw their example, and you wanted to follow after that. This is, this is, this is what Jesus was. This is who Jesus was, that, that Jesus was one of these teachers. If we, look in, if we look in the Gospels, just the Gospels alone, there were 48 times that Jesus is mentioned as teacher. People would follow him to remote places. They would, they would go without eating. They would be hungry and sitting there watching and listening, hearing him speak. And if we look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus wasn't just an orator. He wasn't just having a, 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 a session where people would just sit there and listen to him. They weren't just lectures for information's sake. Jesus lived what he preached and he taught by example. What he said and what he did was truth. Through the moments of Jesus' life where, where hard and challenging and, and painful and testing, he, he doesn't just tell us how to respond to those things. He, he shows us how he responded to those challenging and painful times. John 13, 15 says this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm showing you what to do. Watch what I'm doing and do it. It's like Jesus saying, look, I know you're going to face tough situations. I know your life is going to be hard, and there are going to be times where you don't have the answers and you don't know what to do. Remember what I showed you. Jesus came to demonstrate life, to lead by example and teach us how to live. It can be frustrating when you don't have an example, when a situation arises and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're there right now. This whole coronavirus thing right now has got us all wondering, so what are we supposed to do? And I'm sure there's other situations in your life, either in relationships or at work or, or stuff that happens to you throughout the day that, that you're just not quite sure how to move. You're not quite sure what to do. And what do we do when we don't know what to do? Often we do the wrong thing. Proverbs 14.12 says this, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. When, when we don't have the right example, we can think that something's right, and then we just kind of like go for it and then realize, oh, this is just getting me into a worse place, into a worse position. We have, we have these default steps that, that we often take when it comes to a situation that we don't know what to do. The first thing that we do is we try to fix it ourselves. I don't need anybody else. I can do it all by myself. You know, I've had dishwasher problems over the years, and when my dishwasher starts to act up, I try to fix it on my own. I am not a mechanic. I have absolutely no clue how to fix stuff. But you'd be amazed at what I can do with a wrench and a plunger. Actually, you probably wouldn't be amazed at what I can do with a wrench and a plunger. You'd be amazed at what I was trying to do. And, and ultimately, what I was trying to do is make the situation right. I just made it worse. I, I was trying to fix it myself, not having any example to follow. And, and, and you might have a dishwasher issue in your life where it's like, you know, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to try something. I'm going to do something. It, it might not make any sense, but it, it, it might seem like it makes sense. But, but in the long run, you just get further down the road of, of it being worse. It could be a relationship that you're dealing with. It could be something at work where, where you're, you're having a bad situation and your initial response is, I'm just going to try to fix it on my own. I put my head down and, and go at it. And ultimately, it would just make more of a mess. The next thing we do is, after we try to fix ourselves and that doesn't work out, is that we look to others. Now, on its face, that doesn't sound like a terrible thing. So with my dishwasher issues, I went to YouTube. So I went to YouTube to see if I could find some videos of somebody that might know what they were doing. And after I watched some of those videos, I tried to fix it, and I ended up a bloody mess. My knuckles were all shredded. My dishwasher still wasn't fixed. Uh, it, 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 just, it just wasn't really good. I, I didn't know who to go to. I just started following somebody. I went to look at somebody. 
And, and we do that in real life problems too, that when, when real life issues come up, who do we go to? We go to Facebook. We go to see what other people are doing. We listen to Oprah. We listen to Dr. Phil. We listen to the social influencers and see what make, is making their life all fine and dandy, when in reality, they don't have a clue what's going on either. We look to people that seem to have it better, but, but we're just following and imitating bad examples. And then instead of getting to the right place, we end up somewhere else. Again, maybe even worse off than we started. And then we get to a place like this. We learn to live with it. When it comes to my dishwasher, what ended up happening was uh, I got fed up. I looked at the advice. I tried it on my own. Now I'm just going to live with it. I've got a bowl under the sink to catch the drips. I wash some stuff by hand, and I've just given up. I can't fix it. This is how it's going to be. I'm just going to suffer with it. The suffering's fine. I can deal with it. And that's just a sad place to be. Not just with a dishwasher, but with the situations in your life. If that's where you're at with your marriage, if that's where you're at with your kids or with your parents, with your job, where you've just kind of like relinquished the fact that life is going to suck and you're not doing anything else about it, um, that's, that's exhausting. And that's a terrible place to be. But you know, there's a fourth step. We try to fix it on our own. Then we, we look to others, and then we learn to live with it. And then finally, when we've exhausted all other options, we turn to God. The final step, the last straw, is like, well, maybe God will take care of it. You know, in the case of the dishwasher, after I tried myself, after I looked to the YouTube videos, and after I ultimately gave in, I called the expert. I called the dishwasher repairman, and he came out, and he showed me what was wrong, fixed what was wrong, and then told me how to not get there in the future. He knew what the problem was. He knew how to fix it. He had experienced it before and knew the exact steps to take. In our dishwasher areas of life, Jesus is that, that expert. He's the one that, that knows what you're going through. He knows what the fix is. He knows the steps to take, and he knows where he wants you to be. After all we've done on our own, after we've exhausted all the suggestions and from, from those whose suggestions weren't probably worth listening to in the first place, we get to this place where we fed up and turn to God. Why wouldn't we turn to him first? We turn to, to God on the back end, but, but, but why don't we turn there first? That when we get to the end of our ropes there, we crack open a Bible, we come to church, we, we pray. And if that's the step that you're taking today, if that's the first step that you're in after doing those other three steps, well done, because that's the right step. That is totally the right step. And, and if, you're, if you're step today, if you're step today, you're listening to this, and your first step after expressing those other three options is that I'm watching a sermon on Simple Church today, or this morning I'm going to pray, or you know what, I might, I might give something today. If, if you're taking those first steps today, well done, let us know, because, because we have a desire to walk with you through that. Simple Church's vision statement is reaching people far from God and teaching them to follow Jesus step by step. If this is your first step, there are more to take, and we would love to walk with you. We'd love for you to follow the example that Jesus set. He walked the earth as a man, not as an, as an instruction book, but as a man living the example for us to follow. He is the teacher. Ephesians 5.1 says, Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from, from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. And then Ephesians, another version, it says, you are God's children whom he loves, so try to be like him. Try to be like him. He didn't give us, just give us instructions. He, he set the example. He is the teacher. We can learn what he did, and we can follow his example. So let's look at some things that Jesus came to teach us. 
let's look at some of the things that, that he wants us to follow after in his footsteps. The first one is this. He came to teach us how to overcome temptation. How much better would our lives be if we were prepared to overcome temptation? How much pain in your life is a result of poor responses to the temptations around you? Now, Jesus sets the example of how to respond well in those moments of temptation. We see in Matthew 4 that Jesus is in the wilderness ready to be tempted. He was out there to be tempted. He knew what was coming. He was weak. He was tired. He was hungry. And at his weakest is when the devil came in. Isn't that how it plays out for you? That when you're in your times of weakness, when, when you're hangry, when you're tired, when, when things aren't going right and you're beat down, that's when temptation comes and man, it just seems like the right choice. Are you at your best in that state? Not a chance, but that is when it comes its strongest, when you are at your weakest. It was the same for Jesus. But he had a response and he was prepared. In Matthew 4, we see the devil, the devil tempt Jesus with comfort, pride, and power. And Jesus' response to all three temptations is, is with the same weapon, is with Scripture. He counters it with, it is written, Scripture says, and then he speaks God's word. He counters with the power of God's word, and the devil's response is this, Matthew 4:11. then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Jesus shows, shows us that to overcome temptation, you need the power of God's word. That's the solution. The power was available to him. And it served him well. And that power is available to us as well. But this doesn't, this doesn't just like miraculously happen. It's not like you take your Bible and temptation comes and you whack the temptation with your Bible. You got, you got to have it in you. The reason that Jesus was successful with God's word is because it was in him. Granted, it was him, but it was in him. That is what his, that is what his tool was. And this requires discipline. If you need God's word in you and you need God's word in you, You've, you've got to put some effort into it. You've, you've, got to, you've got to be disciplined to be in his word, to study his word, to eat it, consume it, to rest on it, to meditate on it. It needs to be in you so that when the times of temptation come, you are prepared for that battle. If the temptation comes and you know, oh, I'm supposed to have God's word, it's too late. It's totally too late. You need to be prepared because it's not going to happen by accident. Jesus taught us how to overcome temptation. He also teaches us how to face impossible situations. The world is a crazy place right now, and it's going to continue to be. Even before the whole coronavirus thing going on, that, that, that life is, is crazy. This world is intense, and things are swirling around us that, that feel overwhelming and impossible. Things that are just too big to deal with. And, and even in our smaller bubbles of communities in life, that, that there are events that are playing out in your, in your life that just seem insurmountable that you want an answer for, for things that you're trying to figure out, how to protect yourself from certain consequences. How, you know, why are people suffering? Why is, why is my dad suffering? Why is my mom suffering? Why are, why are these people going through these situations? And, and you might be putting your faith and relying on things that, that you think are the right place. That if we're looking at, at the financial situation of the world right now, you might be relying on your job or finances for peace. Possibly there's relationships that are keeping you afloat. Maybe you're in the place of giving up and just wallowing in the suck with no hope for relief. You may even be mad at God because his timing isn't working out the way you want. In John 11, we see the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for days. And Lazarus' sisters are broken, angry, and despondent, questioning why things have happened the way that they did and why Jesus didn't do something earlier. 
And Jesus responded. And the abbreviation is here is that he wept. He was angry and he was troubled. But was he crying and was he angry? Was he troubled at Lazarus's death? If you look at the verses, there's, I think there's an interesting take here. John eleven forty says this, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they'll believe you sent me. Jesus was challenging their faith. I don't think he was weeping because Lazarus was dead. He knew he was dead, but he knew what he was gonna do as well. I think his weeping and his anger came from a lack of faith. He had spoken earlier in the chapter as to the purpose of this event. In verse four, it says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Jesus is asking you today, do you think I can do it? Do you trust me? How about you just trust me and let me be God? The solution to these impossible situations is confident faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. The things of this world that we put our faith in, they, they are not gonna hold up. They're, they're not worth it. You might have some peace because of the money that you've got stashed away. You might have some peace because of the job that you have. But in the grand, grand scheme of things, especially when it comes to death, you, they're not going to help you at all. Jesus will, though. Jesus will. Peter writes, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. This, this faith that we have, this faith that is given to us by Jesus, in Jesus, because he is a just and, and fair Lord and Savior, that, that this is where our faith is. That when things seem insurmountable, it is just right now. That is just the moment. That's the feelings of the moment. But, but if we turn and look to him, if we can take into consideration that, 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 he's, that he's the one our faith should be in, that all these worldly situations will, will, will come and go, but Jesus stands forever. Peter continues to write, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, which, which points us back to another, uh, uh, the, uh, a running theme here is that, that how do you know him? Well, you got to be in his word. If, if you want to really know Jesus, you need to be in his word. If you want to have this faith, if you want to understand what this faith is, you've got to understand him. It's not growing in the, in, in the informational knowledge of, of God and Jesus our Lord. It's, it's growing in the understanding to, to see and read and then experience uh, what comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have a strong faith, a confident, you, you can't have a strong faith, a confident faith without intimately knowing who it is your faith is in. This is what he came to teach us. He also came to teach us how to submit to God's plan this one can be challenging, and I'm going to go right to the solution. The solution to submitting to God's plan is obedience. Obedience, that's such a wretched word. We, we do not like this word, but, but Jesus teaches obedience as the path. We hate the word because we want to do what we want to do, and we don't really like other people telling us what to do. And obedience to God doesn't necessarily get us to where we, where we want to go, from a worldly perspective, and definitely not usually in definitely not usually in the time frame that he's looking at. My default response is to my will, to do what I want to do, and not to do what I don't want to do. But this is not what Jesus taught. This was not the example that he laid out. 
and it's not what his expectations of us are. 1 Peter 2.21 says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We are to look at Jesus' example and follow in his steps. This is not us becoming uh, experts in, in Greek and Hebrew translations to say this is exactly what it means and I believe it. This is us looking at God's word, having a relationship with him and responding to what it is that he's calling us to do. This is what Jesus did. If we look at Jesus on his, on his way to, uh, to the crucifixion, he says to the, the father, please let this cup pass. I don't want it. It's not comfy. Could you let this pass? And, and we're all good there, right? That part, that part we're really good with. That we, can, we can go to God and say, you know what? I'm not liking this. Please let this go. Please let this go. But he follows it right here with a, with a step of obedience. Not my will, but your will be done. When I think about this scene and this example, when I, when I think about Jesus walking to the cross with the abuse he took, the beating and the mockery and the torture, um, but, but him knowing what God's plan is, that, that one step after another, each one of those steps had, had a name to it and a purpose, that, that, that every step was a step of obedience. He was, he was obedient, and he went to extreme measures to show the value, the, the significance of being obedient to God's plan. Where, where do you need to be obedient? Where do you need to take the next step towards the will that God has for your life? You know, it's, it's cool when you hear these, these big stories from pastors whose lives have, have radically changed from, from non-believer to believer, from, from uh, working in, in a paper company to now being a pastor of a mega church. And, these, and these, these huge stories are really encouraging and inspiring. But, but, for, but for some of us, those massive testimonials, we can't connect with because, because they don't, we can't relate. They're just, something, they're just something way big. But, but how about the small steps of obedience, the initial steps of disciplined obedience that lead to momentum and larger opportunities for obedience? Don't discount those small, those small steps. Being truthful on your taxes this year might be a, be a small step for you. That, that today, uh, uh, that, that intentionally forgiving someone for hurting you at work today, that, that might be a small step of obedience. That, that this... This morning, maybe it's to pray today. God calls us to pray, that us praying is a, is a step of obedience. And if that's not one of your steps, if that's not uh, an area in your life right now, there's an opportunity to take that step. Seek out God's will and take the steps to get there. Be obedient in the small things, and you'll be better apt to be obedient to the big things. And guess what? <laughs> you need to be in his word to know what his will is, to what those small and big things are are, are saying. You know, if I go back and I, and, and I go to the, the, the four things that we do, um, one of them is I look to others. So we look into the right others? It's amazing how much stuff on Facebook that you can see that, that, that supposedly says this is what God is calling us to, and it has absolutely no biblical resemblance at all, that there's, there's no foundation there, that, that you actually need to be in his word to have a firm grasp of what God's will is. And you can look at a small verse. You can look at a verse, and you can just ask this, what am I supposed to do? God, is there, is there something that I'm, some way that I'm supposed to respond here? And you can take those small steps. And then at some point, maybe, you'll, you'll have the, the grand testimony of, of planting a church or seeing, seeing some a miraculous thing happen on a mission field. But, but really, those smaller stories are way more encouraging. They're relatable. They're, they're, they're 
they're stories that will impact others. And if you take those steps, others will take those steps as well. God called us. Jesus came to teach us to be obedient. The fourth thing that Jesus came to teach us is, is how to show unconditional love. You know, if you consider Jesus walking that path with his cross on his back, bleeding out and going to crucifixion, we can, we can see that there is a, a distinct level of unconditional love there if we, if we acknowledge what it is that he's doing and why, why he is doing it. But if we take that scenario and we just go back a short while and we consider Jesus washing the disciples' feet, here's an area where, where he's showing them what true humility looks like. John 13 says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel he had around them. So what do you think he was thinking when he was washing Peter's feet, the guy that he knew was going to deny him? What do you think he was thinking when he was washing Judas's feet? Was he washing them just a little bit less than everybody else because, because well, this is Judas. I know he's going to betray me. He was, he was probably washing all of them with with complete and unconditional love, even though he knew exactly what was going to happen. He was serving in humility, not in embarrassment or obligation, not out of pride or false humility. He humbled himself and served. Jesus came to show us unconditional love by serving in humility. He is the example of that humble service. What opportunities for you do you have around you to serve in humility? That service can look like a variety of different things. Maybe that means working without complaining. Complaining. Working without complaining. Not just working without verbally complaining, but even catching it in your head. That that, that could be uh, an act of humility. Maybe, again, that service is forgiving someone. Sacrificing something you have and love for the benefit of someone else. Thinking Thinking of others above yourself and then actually doing something about it. Jesus was thinking of you and the work he had to do when he was walking to the cross. He knew what his mission was, and he served it out with humility, grace, and love. And he wants us to follow in his steps and do the same. He didn't come to earth just to die. He came to earth to teach us how to live. And as we walk through the events he has planned for us, our hope and encouragement is that we look to Jesus to see his example and to live out his example in discipline and in love. That we live as he did, strengthened by his word, confident in faith, bold in obedience, and humble in service. But the big takeaway here is this. Jesus is only the teacher if you're listening to him and following after his example. It only works if you're truly his student. Again, Paul says, you remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus what he did, Jesus crucified. My, my, my prayer for you, my concern for you, my desire for you as a, as a pastor is that, is that you are his student, that you allow him to be the teacher, not just a teacher, but the teacher. That, that you're looking at him in his word and that you're preparing for the situations that come around because, because he's ready for them. And he, and he wants you to be ready for him. That as, as a believer now, you, you might be thinking, so I need to take a step of, a step of obedience, and I, I need to step up. I need to do something. And, and, 
And if you don't know what that is, or if you do know this, let us know. Let us know how we can support and encourage you, that maybe we can help better equip you to take those steps following after Jesus. And then for some of you, it might be, well, I, I don't even know Jesus' as teacher. Am I following Jesus' as teacher? I should probably do that. Well, well, this is the moment. This is an opportunity for you to, to do just that, to take the first step of obedience, the first step of, of humility, and follow after him. And I'm going to offer up a prayer, and that, and that prayer is, is nothing magical, but it's an opportunity for you to, to confess and believe, to take that first step with Jesus as Lord and Savior and understand how it is that he can teach you into uh, a wonderful life in him. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and if you're praying this too, pray it out loud there, and, uh, and, then, and then if this is you, if this is your, your first step, uh, let us know. Shoot us out a, a, a note on, on our app. Go to our app and find the Connect card on our app and let us know that today, today is your day and let us celebrate with you. Okay, I'm gonna pray. Father, I, I thank you for this morning. I, I thank you for the, for the opportunity to, to share your word and share who your son is. Father, for, for those that are taking the, their first step today, this is, this is their prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning. This morning, I take my first step. Today, I, I call myself student of the teacher, Jesus Christ. Please show me how to walk this path and become more and more like him. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If this is you, well done, well done. Let us know and, and take that first step. Now, we're going to get ready to just to go into some quick announcements. Don't cut off just yet. Uh, we've got some things that we're still planning on doing here at Simple Church. We've got baby, baby dedications coming up on March 29th. If we're having service on March 29th, pay attention to the app to make sure that uh, you know whether or not we're having that service. Same with our third Thursday, which is coming up next Thursday. Pay attention to the app to make sure that... that uh, that you know what's going on. And then a reminder that we're paying attention to the CDC, the state the Ohio, state of Ohio and city of Columbus uh, to pay attention to what the protocols are and we're gonna be sticking to those pretty straight. And then last but not least, but you know, we're not sitting here in the building and the opportunity to give is still there and it's still necessary. We might not be meeting here on Sunday morning, but the, but the costs and the mission are still at hand. So there are opportunities to give either online, through the text, through texting or on the app. Um, but, this is, but this is part of your worship, and this is a step of obedience. So we hope that you uh, continue to, to, to give in that way and know that if you do it all online, no hands are getting touched. But pay attention to, for, on the app for all those details, and, uh, and stay safe, Simple Church. We'll talk to you next week.